Hello, this is Mike McDivitt, interim pastor of the New Hope Baptist Church. We are finishing our lesson on faith, being in Hebrews chapter 11, if you would. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's start in a word of prayer. Dear Father, just thank you for this day you've given us, Lord, and I pray, Father, that you will help us, Father, to be able to, as we look in your word, to be able to glean something that we can use uh, in service for you this week, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As last week we went through, of course, <clears throat> we went through the meaning of the word faith. Classic meaning starting in verse 1 of chapter 11. That faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. <clears throat> As I said uh, the last lesson, that uh, one of my favorite interpretations of faith is a little girl that had said, What is faith? To believe God. I kind of like that. <clears throat> and then they went into having faith that God created the universe and mankind, having getting into Abel, and he had faith in worshiping God the way God had set the course for the worship to be, not the way Cain wanted it, but the way Abel did it was the way it was supposed to be done. And so he, had, he was a man of faith in this chapter set out as a man of faith, and Enoch walked with God. So Abel worshipped God the way he was supposed to. Enoch walked with God, and then, of course, God had taken him to heaven without even dying. Then we get into Noah. He worked the way God wanted him to work in his life. His main goal to save mankind, really, right? And uh, he worked the way God wanted him to, and the way what he wanted him to do, the way he wanted him to do it, down, clear down to the blueprint God had given him. If you read back in Genesis, there's even everything was told to him exactly the way to do it. And we're told exactly a lot of things in the Bible, aren't we? So many times we don't do it. Abraham and Sarah went where God wanted them to go, out of their comfortable situation with their country and their family. So they had faith to go. They had faith they had a, a child in their old age. They had faith... And when he was going to sacrifice his son, and God said, stop, you had this kind of faith, that's what he was testing. And so we got into Isaac and Jacob, that uh, they had faith that Jacob, it says, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both of his sons, Joseph, and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. He had faith that he really blessed the uh, younger over the older. He, he did it the way God wanted him to do that. And that was a big deal back then. Joseph, when he died, he had faith that uh, he didn't say, take me back to be buried with my father, which being second in command in Egypt, he could have said very easily. But to give it, I think, as people hope, he said, I have faith that one day we'll come out of here when the time is right. So when I we do come out, you take me, my bones, rather, he'd been dead, but you take my bones and and uh, then bury it in our country. And then we get into now Moses. And this, we ended in with Joseph last week. And we get into Moses. I don't know that we're going to go through the rest of the chapter. We'll see how far we get. Like I said, I try to keep this to 20 minutes. And this, this, But this is a great, we could spend a long time in this chapter. I'd, I'd encourage you to go back through it, in fact, when, when we're done today. It's a wonderful, wonderful chapter, and perhaps you'll glean things that I haven't gleaned through here. That's 
the really uh, wonderful thing of the Bible that uh, as we go through the Bible, I'm telling you, you, you get new things and the Holy Spirit reveals new things and not things that you want to see, but the things that are there written for your benefit. You know, if you know what I mean, you don't twist scripture, but sometimes we're just not ready to see it. And the Holy Spirit reveals things that we don't see. And we, as we grow in the Lord and we're ready for it. So we get into verse 23 of this chapter 11, this great chapter of faith. And it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. I think the one thing we're going to get through these next few verses about faith as it pertains to Moses and his parents is that they put God first. You know, they, it might seem like, well, of course I would never do that. I would never let them kill my kid. And of course we all say that, you know, hope we would do that, but, but we don't live in a time frame where the, a King's rule was the ultimate within a country. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that a lot of our ancestors did, didn't they? And when a king says, kill that person, you're dead. That king says, uh, we're going to promote that person. It was so. I'm going to give uh, William Penn, Pennsylvania, right? Guess what? He got Pennsylvania for a time anyway. So we don't, I think, understand this situation. When his parents defied the Pharaoh, and killing Moses, they're going to kill, you know, the, the boy children over that time frame. They defied the king because they put God over the king. They trusted God ahead of all, ahead of all. It's like we, we obey the laws of our land. But if it ever went against God's commandments, we have to say, I'm sorry, I cannot obey that law. God's laws overall. Now, we're not like a lot of people that it seems as though, you know, they, they go against uh, everything because they're so rebellious that they just have to defy everything and rebel, 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 and become angrier. And I see that in our country now. But what I mean by that is if they say you cannot worship God, and there are countries in this world that, that, that do that. You cannot have a church. You cannot read the Bible. You cannot serve the Christian God. We have to say, I'm sorry, you don't have rule over that. You might do whatever you want to do to me, but I, I will do what's right. And what's right is what the Bible states. And I will worship God no matter who says what, period. And so they put king, God over their king that was ruling over them. It wasn't really their king, but the one that was ruling over them, the Pharaoh, and did not let their son die. The next couple of verses here, it says, By faith, Moses, when he's come to years, refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He chose he chose the um, 
the service of God over his comfort. Remember, he was raised by the Pharaoh's daughter and was really kept uh, in a place of, of royal comfort. And his mother was allowed to to have a part in his rearing, really. I remember the Pharaoh's daughter allowed her to, it chose a, a woman from the Israel to, to finish weaning the child and I'm sure had a part in, in uh, being an influence in his life. And him understanding who he was, was not willing to deny not only his people, but service to God above he put that above service to Egypt and the king. I know tradition states, and I know it's tradition, not in the Bible, but states about how smart Moses was because of the education that he had, that he could speak a lot of languages, that he knew a lot of the engineering of the day, that he um, even participated in overthrowing the Nubian culture down south of Egypt to... Uh, to defend Egypt, he, he, so he was militarily, he was, he was not a slouch, according to tradition. And if that is all true, and we know that he was raised in the comfort of the king, king's house, we know that to be true. And if tradition's right, all those things did not influence him to turn his back on not only his people, but most importantly, his God. And saw that that was the most important thing. We, we really need to be careful that we don't choose the world's ways over God, period. And so his parents chose what's right and God's ways over the king. Moses, in turn, did the same thing. Verse 28, it says, And through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood lest he destroyed the firstborn, excuse me, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. He trusted that what God said would not only take place, that God was going to destroy the firstborn in the land of Egypt. As one of the punishments of Pharaoh not doing what he was commanding this king to do. Remember, God's over anybody, any king. He trusted, Moses trusted that God was not only going to do that, but that if he put the blood on the, the mantle of the door, that he would save the firstborn of their people in the land of Goshen, where they were at, right? Just as Christ's blood on the cross through faith and trust in Jesus Christ will save us, we trust in that. And that's what it pointed to the blood of the lamb. And so not only did they put that faith and trust that God was over the king, but also that God will fulfill a promise that not only would he influence Egypt to let them go in this hard way, they weren't going to listen any other way, but that he would protect them if they would just put their faith and trust in God and do what he told them to do. And they still participate in Passover to this day, right? To remember. Although in the Jewish culture, they don't attribute this to the foreknowledge of what Christ was going to do. And this is the reason. But we looking back understand this. And of course, 
Uh, I know I know Jews that have been saved that understand this. Uh, a friend of my father's, Sanford Mills, a saved Jewish man, uh, became to understand this and spent the rest of his life trying to reach his people. And when he did Passover, he understood this so clearly it didn't make him less Jewish. It made him more Jewish to understand that this was their Messiah. And when he did Passover, he really understood this. Verse 29, it says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians essayed to do were drowned. You say, well, of course, hey, the God was God enough to, 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 to make a way through the sea. They went through it. I know that's, I think it's easy to say, but I can't imagine seeing walls of water on both sides. And not only did God make a miracle of that, and yes, I do believe in the Bible as it is. I don't believe this is a, a metaphor. I believe God can do that. And he did. It doesn't say it did like, like it or something that seemed like it. It said he did it. So either you believe in the Bible or not. And not only did he make that happen, he dried up the seabed so that they could walk. It's amazing, really. And then, of course, um, the Egyptians, when they went through it, they drowned because God let the waters come back down and destroyed them. So by faith, they, they, they did a lot of things in Moses' time. No wonder he's revered among the Jews. So many things that God had used this man to do. And remember, when you put God first, God will use you to do some great and mighty things. Verse 30, it says, And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. So Joshua, when he went through the land when Moses died and said God told him to take, to take uh, Jericho, they marched around it and the walls fell. That took faith. Can you imagine? The Jericho, they, here comes the Jews and they're scared to death. They think they're going to, to attack them. They went in their walled city, which always had protected them before. And they see these crazy people walking around, making, you know, walking around, walking around and blowing trumpets at the end and then smashing these, you know, the vessels and then, and then the walls come down. What they had to think. But they did that through faith. God said, do it my way and it'll work out. Just a couple more verses we're going to read, if you would. <clears throat> the next verse it says, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not. With them that believe not, when she had received the spies with peace. Rahab, you remember her? The land of Jericho, the spies came in, she hid them, and they said, When we come in, uh, we won't kill you and your family. You helped us. And uh, her, her house was where? On the wall, because she let the spies down through the window. So somehow, when those walls came down, it must have uh, stayed up right on her house was built right there. That's, that's a miracle too. And through faith, um, not only did she believe the Jews as people, but we come to find out that she uh, believed in their God. And, and uh, we're not going to turn there, but Matthew 1, 3 talks about her. And what do you think it is? She is actually being a Gentile 
and a harlot, which was a whore. Uh, she, she, she was a prostitute, I should say, I suppose. And God loved her and had mercy on her. And she became a follower of God and is placed in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I think as a precursor, when God would open his arms, when, when the Gentiles would, would turn to, to, to the God of Israel and the Messiah that had came for them and take in these, these Gentiles and become the church in the church age, um, this was kind of a precursor to uh, what he was going to do through the Gentile nations. It's a, it's a really remarkable thing. She was a woman of faith. Don't discount women. I know there's a lot spoken of men because that's just the time frame we, we read from at this time that was written and written, written from. But it talks much about the different ladies that really came to the forefront that were used mightily. And she is put here in the middle of the chapter of faith and put right in the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. Wonderful thing. One more verse. Just it's just going to go down through a few few names, rather. And it says, "And what shall I more say?" He, I mean, he went through all these people and what faith was in their life. For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and of David, and of Samuel, and of the prophets. A lot of people here just mentioned, he gave them honorable mentions. But it's funny, he puts a lot of flawed people in here, doesn't he? Sure he does. Samson? He was what? He was a womanizer and said some terrible things. But it turned to God at the end. And God had used his strength, gave him strength for God's purposes. Why would God use someone like that? I, and instead of asking that question, I've heard that said before to me. How about saying, why would God use you and I? We're flawed people. It gives us a glimmer of hope, I think. That if God could forgive Samson and use him, then he can do the same with you and I. It gives us a measure of comfort. David committed adultery and murder. If you remember right. And I tell you, God said, he's my friend. God not only forgave him, although David had to reap a lot of what he had sowed, it's just part of life. If I do some wrong things, I have to to, to um, reap the terrible things that's that I've I've created in my life. That's just the way it is. Although God forgives me, um, but God will use you if you are usable. You make yourself usable. It's a wonderful ray of hope when we look at these flawed men of the Bible. And especially when I look at David and he said, you know, that he's my friend. Isn't that something? It gives us hope. I think people do wrong when they look upon these people and they say, why would God put that in there? Why does God put all these bad things in there? Well, God doesn't brush over the flaws. What he does is forgive them and he uses you anyway. And if you say you're not flawed, you're either delusional or a liar. <laughs> We're all flawed.
There's only one that was not flawed that ever existed, and that's Jesus Christ himself. At any rate, if you want to finish reading this, please read the rest of this. We're only going to read one. I guess one more verse. I said the last time one more verse, but just one more verse. Verse 38, talking about all these people, and it says, uh, um, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'd be doing wrong not reading at least a few verses of this. Let's, let's in verse 33. I'm sorry. I was going to end it, but you know, um, there's a few things in this, these verses that are really important. It says, who through faith subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness and obtained promises and stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, put of weakness where were made strong. Um, waxed valiant in fight, turning to the flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their deed, raised to light seeds. Excuse me, wait a minute, let me reread this. Women received, I need to get my glasses on, their dead, raised to life again. And the others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted and were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and in the mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report, through faith received not the promise, God having provided some better things for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. I'm telling you, uh, a lot of people have went through a lot of things, haven't they? Even today in some of these countries, People are persecuted and killed and tortured. If you read what ISIS did to a lot of a lot of the Christians and other groups of Muslims even in that area, horrible things. And what they have done in a lot of these countries to Christians, it's just remarkable that they grow in number. It really is. They estimate in China now there's over 100 million Christians. Is that not remarkable? It just it seems like the more repressed the Christian church is, the better we grow. And the more freedom we have, the more lazy we get, and the less we grow. It's really something. I think we really need to pray for the church in America in this way. We need faith. We need faith. Well, we're going to end it there. A lot in this chapter, isn't there? No way to fit this into a 20-minute segment. And I hope that you will reread this and uh, learn some lessons about faith. We all need faith. We sometimes think that the faith, after we after we have faith enough to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and of course, like try to mention every broadcast, if you're not saved, it's a simple thing. It's a gift from God. That if you will ask him into your heart and life and believe he is God and forgive him of your sins, 
He'll come into your life and your heart. And you will be a new creation. Old things passed away. And all things new. I don't ever want to go through one of these and not mention that in case somebody is listening that isn't saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is a wonderful product of faith. But sometimes we as Christians believe that's the end of it, when really that's the beginning. You know, when you pick up your Bible every day like you're supposed to, and you spend time on your knees praying, and you tell anybody about the Lord, and you try to live as God wants you to with his help, that's a matter of faith. It's all encompassing in our Christian walk. And maybe we could be like David, where he could say, you know what, you know, Joe or Sally or whatever your name is, God will say, they're a friend of mine. I would like that, wouldn't you? So we're going to end it right there. And I hope you're going to have a good day. So again, I'm sorry for having this late. Sometimes we get wrapped up in life, don't we? And I pray that you'll have a good week. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, I just thank you for the stay you've given us. And I pray, Father, you'll help us as we go through this week, this weekend rather, and we just serve you with all of our hearts. And even though maybe we're going to have church like our church is doing on, on a telephone call, conference call, some will do Facebook. Some will park in the parking lot. I pray to our Father that we will worship you. It is your day. And that no matter what the, the rules and regulations say, that we give that day to you. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for all that you've done for us. I pray for our missionaries. I pray for our churches. I pray for our church, Lord, and I pray for revival in our country. And ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys, and you have a great weekend. Bye.